Welcome to the Curly Cultivation Podcast, where we like to dig a little deeper. Today's topic is toxicity. This is number 24 of the Curly Cultivation Podcast. Uh, if you're interested, you can check up our backlog of uh, podcasts, which is actually quite extensive. I think it's over 125 now uh, with various names. I've had the podcast going for about eight uh, eight years now. So anyway, so it was the Panel Primate podcast, and then it was uh, the D program, and now it's the Curly Cultivation. Anyway, uh, you can check those out if you are at all interested. Um, toxicity has permeated every aspect of our culture today. But today, I like, uh, in this episode, we kind of explore the idea of toxicity as a metaphor and kind of play around with it a little bit. It was kind of an interesting episode. Uh, I think it tied it t- together at the end, but anyway, and we were on a little bit of a time crunch because, you know, life. So um, anyway, um, thank you for listening to this episode and thank you for giving it attention. Lord knows there's a, a thousand things that you could be giving your attention to and the fact that you are either watching my face or and listening to my voice right now means a lot to me and I very much appreciate it. You can uh, check out our website, which is thecurelycultivation.com. Uh, you can hopefully follow the podcast on Spotify. You can subscribe to the channel on YouTube or you can follow me at Panhandle Primate uh, on Instagram or you can follow The Curly Cultivation, which is a little bit more uh, family-oriented. Thank you for uh, listening and checking it out, and hopefully you enjoy this episode. Uh, We're really enjoying the process of creating. Uh, I say enjoying. At times, I actually find it uh, incredibly monotonous and mundane. There's a lot of times... I mean, probably most of the time where I'm sitting there thinking like, what am I doing and why am I doing this? Um, But it it has been fun. I'm not naturally, I don't have a natural proclivity to technology and uh, interfacing with it, you know. So I've been having some trouble learning the the video stuff and uh, have no idea what I'm doing with the lighting, which is why I just stick it anywhere and just shine it you know that's why i've got like like lines on my forehead because i don't know how to set up my own lighting so hopefully at some point in time down the road if we start getting some traction i can uh, you know bring in a professional to at least set up some stuff for me help me with the studio but until then what you get is a diy slap together project that um isn't ever finished when I turn it in, if it makes sense. Anyway, thank y'all. Like I, all this, all this to say, thank you for paying attention. Thank you for engaging with the uh, with the content, and uh, you know, drop us a message somewhere. Uh, I list those specifically because it's easy for me to track feedback in Spotify, and on YouTube, and on Instagram. Um, if you're listening on a different uh, podcatcher, more power to you. I appreciate that. But I might not necessarily see your review or see your comment if you leave one. Um, so, But you can always reach out to me. You can send me a message uh, at panhandleprimate.com or panhandleprimate at gmail.com. Uh, just shoot me uh, an email and with the subject podcast and... You know, turn us in a topic if you have a topic that you want us to go over. You're something you're you're interested in something that we said, or you need clarification or something like that. We've actually had several listeners recently um, contact us, and uh, it's led to several episodes and uh, definitely some interesting discussions and you know uh, the deepening of the concepts. So uh, anyway, thank you. Like I said, thank you for uh, for paying attention. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Peace.
Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> gotta adjust. Let's get set. Okay. So today's episode topic is toxicity. What was the first thing you thought of whenever I said that today's topic was going to be toxicity? I guess I was just questioning what you mean by it because I feel like it now applies to a lot of things. So I didn't know if you just meant the general idea of toxicity or if you actually had something specific by it. So your first reaction was a question. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, just because it, we use it for so many things nowadays. Right, like toxic positivity, toxic masculinity, toxic workplaces, toxic relationships, toxic foods, toxic, toxic environments, toxic parents, toxic culture. Yeah. So that was just my question. Toxic like, generations. Yeah, it's like, well, how are you applying it, I guess? Okay. Or just the general idea of so toxicity. So both of those, or I guess all of that, is what this episode's about. Okay. So it's just a general approach to toxicity just to a toxic environment and so uh i guess i have a slightly maybe unique perspective on this because i am a hazmat ooh, technician yeah technician so i have my hazmat technician certification you know i'm hazmat certified so if there is like well not currently but with my original department amarello um, if there was a hazmat event, we had a hazmat team that responded to it. And each discipline in like the fire service has different requirements and ways of thinking. Like you have to think. So if you have a fire, you have to think about it different than if you have an emergency medical call, which you have to think different than if you have a rescue. And all of them overlap in the fact that it's dangerous, right? It's a dangerous environment that you have to go into. But all of them require a slightly different way of viewing the situation. And so hazmat school is kind of about that, right? Like it's about how do you approach a dangerous situation and make good decisions, right? Um, and so it's how to respond to a spill. One of the first things that you learn in the world of hazmat is – the hot zone, the warm zone, and the cold zone. So the concept of this is you're if you're in the cold zone, the toxic thing poses you no threat, right? If you're in the warm zone, then basically contaminants come into the warm zone. So that's where you get dress or get uh, undressed. Um, from your, your hazmat gear, you know, and then you have the hot zone, which is you're immediately exposed to the toxic, uh, environment, you know? And so one of the other things you learn is a go or a no go environment, right? Or a situation. Um, if I throw on my air pack, can I run into this cloud of vapor, grab a victim that does not have an air pack and pull them out? What's the danger of that to me as a first responder? And is it worth the danger, right? If I know I can run into a chemical with just like my turnout gear, my bunker gear on with an air pack, and it says, hey, if you run into that cloud of vapor, you have a 30% higher chance of developing cancer, right? But there's a guy that's laying on the ground and is choking to death, and I can run in and grab him, right? That might be... Uh, risk that we're willing to take, you know, risk analysis. And, um, and sometimes another thing that you learn in hazmat is sometimes the right thing to do is nothing, which is counterintuitive to most of the other disciplines in the fire service. Uh, so sometimes the right thing is to do nothing. And, uh, here I was just going to give a quick, uh, one of my friends in Amarillo is still a friend. He's a retired chief. Um, he was like a hazmat guru is kind of what he was known as, but his uh, name was Kevin. And I might have him on the show sometime. Um, but he used to do this in his hazmat classes. What he would do is he would have a piece of paper up at the front of the room and on a pin, he would cover the pin in like glow in the dark material, right? And he would say, okay, everybody, I need y'all to come to the front of the room 
use this pin and sign this sign in, right? And so everybody comes up and grabs the pin. They pass the pin along to each other. And then he tells them, like, look, one of the really important things is to dealing is dealing with contamination. So actively try not to touch your face, not to touch a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to start practicing, like, cleansing, or cleansiness or whatever. Cleanliness? Cleanliness. Well, they don't know that they have this stuff on their hands already, you know? And so he does his class. He says that everybody's touching their face and rubbing on their nose and they're touching all of their stuff. And uh, before lunch, he would turn the lights out with a black light and like just everybody look around the room and you could see it all over people's faces and all over their hands and all over the tables and everything. And that's what he was saying is he was like, look, you don't even realize. Yeah. Even if you're conscious of it, you're, you know, and that's, you're cross-contaminating stuff. And anyway, it was just kind of a fun, you know, he, you're never exactly sure how exposed to something you are in the environment. And so, uh, there was a few realizations that I had exiting out of hazmat class. And the first one was, um, the only defense against toxicity is insulation. Does that make sense? Just like protection? Well, like, so the three insulating things in hazmat is time, distance, and shielding, right? Do I have something between me and that thing? So just barriers. Barriers, right. Yeah, insulation, which is, you know. Boundaries. Boundaries, right. Well, there's a whole bunch of different, um, that's why I'm saying I was setting up the metaphor, Yeah. right? Okay, so toxicity applied in the metaphor, like the metaphorical world right so of course we have the toxic relationship right um and you can jump in at any point in time if you have anything to say i'm just waiting to see i guess where you're going with it so that was the introduction right was just that that was kind of the setup for toxicity and dealing with toxicity right and now uh there's a whole lot of different ways that like toxicity which is how would you define toxicity i guess let's start with that being exposed to anything that is harmful to you or like toxic, something that is toxic is harmful to you. Okay. Right. At its very like most basic. So toxicity is the level at which something is harmful to you. So everybody's heard about, you know, everybody drinks water. Everybody should be drinking water on a regular basis. But do you know that water is toxic? If you have too much of it. If it's in your lungs, water's toxic. Oh, yeah. It needs if to be you, in the appropriate there spot. There is a level of water toxicity. Uh, I can't remember what the actual term for that is. But, yeah, you drink too much water. There was, a, I think, a, a lady who was trying to win an Xbox for I did kid see that and drank too much water and died. And died. Yeah. I mean, everything can be toxic depending on the amount of it. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I think that that's important is things can be good – and then can, at a certain point, at a certain level, become toxic. There are some things which are just bad in and of themselves, or harm- harmful to you in and of itself. And then there are some things which too much of it is harmful. So, I should sense? have looked this up a little bit more before, because I haven't brushed up on my hazmat terminology in a long time. But in the hazmat world, like if you're dealing with hazard- hazardous environments like Pantex or something like that, where there's radiation. You have permissible exposure limits that are set for you. And so basically they say, hey, look, we know what you're around is going to be dangerous. It is a toxic Yeah, that's like there are toxic substances. But we're going to limit how much you're exposed to it. And And through that limiting, through that shielding, the insulation, it can become less toxic. Yeah. And so, of course, we have the relationships, you know, I think a lot of people have toxic relationships mostly because people are toxic towards themselves in a way, you know? Um, you know, I think most of the time if you're in a relationship with somebody and it's a toxic relationship, it's because one person either wants bad for the other person. Well, maybe I guess that's the way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like toxic relationships is a little bit of a tricky one because on one hand, 
there are toxic people, and I don't think it's that they necessarily... I think some people, I guess, do want harm for the other person. I think some people don't necessarily... Aren't, they're not looking for harm for the other person. They're just oblivious to mm. other people. And they're usually not self-aware, and they're usually more self... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Focused? Self-focused. They're just thinking about themselves. Self-absorbed, yes. And so by them being self-absorbed, they are harming other people. Right. And so I think that's probably the majority of toxic relationships, other than the few ones who are truly trying to abuse, Mm. whether emotionally or physically. That's obviously, like, very toxic. I want to inject something here because... So this idea jumped into my head through me looking at a group right it was a group of people that were all in the same area and different people were i just was watching people interact around the room right and one of the things i've noticed about our generation is really bad with our kids around the phone right the phone is just this catastrophic in a lot of ways toxic oh Uh, it's very much you know it has a, a toxicity level to it And I was looking around the room and there was this kid who was on the phone the whole time. There was never a part where he wasn't on the phone. He was looking at the phone. He was absorbed with the phone. And the mom kept like paying attention to him, but like catering to him. Hey, are you okay? Hey, do you need anything? Hey, turn it down a little bit. Okay. Hey, this is, it was all interaction with the phone. And I was sitting there thinking like, man, this, that's a toxic relationship, right? A parent who just I just want the best for my kids. I just want my kids to have the best. Well, I think that's where this gets interesting. Like if you think about toxic positivity, for example, Mm. I think that's a good way to relate it in that people often think they are doing good, being good, you know, I mean, practicing good habits, but it can be too much. And so we call that toxic. Mm. So I feel like this is really a shortcoming of the word toxic is that, so it's called semantic broadening. That we've now applied it to too many things for it to actually mean something. Mm. It's become too broad. We can apply it to absolutely everything. And so it's losing the intensity of its meaning. Right. Which is normal. That's the way language works. Is we take a word. We apply it to as many things as we can before it no longer has meaning. And then we find a new word to put to it. Right. And so I get what you're saying. I think all those things are true. And they are toxic by definition of toxic. Like toxicity. Toxicity. But at the same time... I guess I'm just wondering if it's losing the meaning when we apply it to too much. Um, no, so I'm not necessarily focusing on the word toxicity. I'm more on the concept of toxicity. Something being harmful to yourself. Um, in amounts. And yeah, just looking at that. Because I mean, like, then yes, like I, I said, think that parents who enable their children is a form of harming your children. And it's not out of malice. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is, like, there's a lot of times where a thing is a good thing until it reaches a certain threshold. And then it passes over from a good thing to a harmful thing. Or, like, for instance, wanting what's best for your kid or wanting the best for your kid, right? I want my kid to be successful. We just finished the uh, David Beckham uh, documentary, documentary, four-part series, and at one point in it, it was talking about David Beckham's dad and how he was like hyper obsessed with David Beckham being really good at soccer. And of course, he had this natural talent for it. Um, he was in the right place. And then he had a dad who just pushed him every day to practice, practice, practice. And in some regards, that was like great. Like but David it Beckham's out. So super successful. Say- but. That whole documentary, it's all of these things that are happening to this guy where it's like it almost it's glorified because he's rich and famous and he has just this world. But as I'm looking at it, you could really interpret it as a horror movie, right? Like he's so isolated. He has to run from car to plane to car to plane. He's on the road all the time. He, You know, all of his closest relationships, they're just work friends. Like – I don't necessarily think that's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just there are aspects of his story that looked amazing and looked yeah. really cool and like, man, I wish I lived that life. And then there's other aspects of the story where you're like, golly, I'm glad that well, I had, I had... because he's so exposed to toxic things, 
he has to be highly insulated. Yes. Which it can be very negative. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I also think that if he weren't David Beckham, when you look at certain certain parenting styles, it seems more toxic. Like, if you were to just take your average Joe who said, my dad pushed me really hard to be a soccer player, but eh, I wasn't. And, like, you can almost look at that and be like, oh, man, the dad should have just chilled out, right? Like, you should have enjoyed your childhood. But because it's David Beckham and it worked out, it's like, well, was the dad really wrong? Right. And, I mean, I don't know, I don't know enough about the relationship to know how the dad was. Right. So I'm not saying he was good or bad. I don't know. All, all, I'm, all I'm meaning uh, with bringing that up is that a little bit of a good thing is a good thing. But there's a there could be a very low tolerance for that thing. So yeah. like fame or money or power or influence, right? Well, and we're willing to take on a lot if we know it will pay off. So for example... Maybe David Beckham's dad was toxic. Again, I don't actually know. But we can look at it now and say, mm, but was it really bad if it created David Beckham? Right. Or we see people who are maybe business owners, and they work 70-hour weeks, they're exhausted, they're stressed, but they've created a business, and it will pay off for them someday. Right. And so we can look at that, and we can say, well, we can weigh the pros and cons, and maybe it's worth it to take on this level of toxicity because you're going to get this in the so end. that's the go or no go right that's yeah. like the that's the risk analysis of the situation it's like okay i know it's gonna affect my health but i really want that big mac from mcdonald's right it's like okay maybe it's a trade-off that you decide but if you don't view it as having a threshold of toxicity you might think you know what my favorite food is big macs from mcdonald's i'm gonna eat one every day yeah you still have to be able to balance it yeah out then you then you're yourself. beyond a toxic level of big macs right maybe one big mac a year is an okay level but if you're eating more than that it's probably not good for your it's probably gonna have a long-term negative impact on your health okay so that was relationships <laughs> amongst we, we many other yeah, things but like environment i'll just list off a few of these real quick okay and obviously environmental toxicity that's kind of what hazmat is about you know but there's other aspects of it too like for instance if uh your environment you're like in a group of friends and actually it's like a good friendship everybody has a good friendship but you know you just get in that toxic state of mind where everybody's just kind of negative you're like, I hate this. Oh, I'm not into that. Blah, blah, blah. It can become toxic really quickly, you know, an environment. But uh, also, like, media. I believe, like, media is very toxic in, yeah, you know, it is. in every sense. Uh, culture can be very, you know, uh, toxic, if you, especially if you let it start to define you, yeah. right? You're being defined by the culture. The culture isn't defined by you. And then we got the financial system. In my opinion, the financial system, it's very interesting how easy it is to uh, just say it is how it is and this is how it should be, you know? But even, uh, you know, like incurring debt or like the credit system, man, what were they talking? I was, I heard something that they were allowing lenders to do that just seemed like a really bad idea. It was like zero down lending but it was like at a really high rate it might have been like a payday advance loan or something oh. like that anyway they they're letting them do something new that is just going to get people it's just going to cripple people you know financially for years to come uh ideologies can be very toxic yeah i think religions have a almost a tendency proclivity towards being pretty negative what do you think yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, I'm not sure I have it fully worked out yet. I guess, and maybe this maybe this is meaningless. You can tell me if this train of thought should go somewhere or should just end here. Okay. We do apply the idea of toxicity or like being toxic to many different things. And many different things can be toxic. So environments, I think religion, food, relationships, all those things can be toxic. 
right? Right. And again, the level at which it affects us changes its toxicity. So I I am on board with all of that. I completely agree. Okay. However, sometimes I wonder if we say something how am I trying to word this? Should something being toxic No, I feel like that's not the way to say it. Are we saying things are toxic simply because we don't like them or because they are truly hurting us? So I guess And I'm not saying you were doing this. I'm saying I think I see this tendency throughout culture nowadays where it's, I don't like this, therefore it's toxic. It's not bringing me joy, therefore it's toxic. It's not making me happy, it's not making me better, therefore it's toxic. So that is the next... Okay, then continue. Okay. Um, So I think just... Really, one more thing to mention on that, on the uh, toxic applied metaphorically, would be to the diet. Like okay. It's pretty easy to like look at the diet and say, what do I ingest? What are we ingesting? Well, right? I think that one's really easy because you can look at certain foods that just are toxic, like a piece of candy, like Skittles, for example. They taste delicious, but truly the food in them is toxic to your body. Right. There is no arguing with that, right? It's not like saying, well, this food over here provides certain good nutrients well, that can also be bad. It's um, like Skittles in and of themselves have food dyes, have a ton of sugar, have just a lot of other processed material. There's nothing in them that are that is actually good for you. So It is purely just a treat food. I've been listening to uh, <coughs> Sean Baker. He's a Dr. Sean Baker. He's a carnivore diet guy. I say listen to him. I just follow him on Instagram. He pops up occasionally. But... I think it's really interesting because he, like, hates vegans, you know? Like, he's, like, he posts memes all the time of, like, you know, somebody not being able to lift something up, and it'll just say, like, vegan Hmm. under it, you know? And, you know, and then vegans, vegans specifically, not just vegetarians, hate him because all he he consumes, well, and all he consumes is meat. You know, like, literally, that's his entire diet is just meat. That's all he eats. And so they kind of hate him. And so there, there's this argument going back and forth. And I think it is an interesting and compelling argument. Like I kind of like weighing in from the edge because I will never be one of the two extremists. Because number one, um, I do see the benefits of eating meat, you know, and I do see the benefit. But I don't know. To me, it could become a toxic practice, you know, if you're consuming Maybe not a toxic practice for your body, but maybe a toxic practice for society. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think there's so many different ways. There can be like physically toxic, like Skittles. They're physically bad for you, right? right? Like the food is poison. It is bad for your body. Then there are certain things that are like toxic for your mentality. Mm, So people talk about like dieting. Hey, even if you're eating a salad for every meal and that's actually good for you, it can be toxic to your mental health because now all you're focusing on is your weight, what you aren't eating, and you're miserable. Right. So that can be toxic mentally. Then there's also, yeah, on a toxic like societal level of, um, you know. Consumerism. Yeah, like consumerism of, hey, individually it's not making you unhappy and maybe it is actually helping you in many things but it is poisoning our uh landfills right like quite literally (laughs) you know so i think there's all these different levels of what it means to be toxic right um and yeah just just to wrap that up it's it's interesting because you got two different groups that are both advocating eating clean yeah but then it ends up creating a toxic environment between the two of them. I just thought well, that was Well, and it's like so interesting because it's just what people are going after. Like for veganism, for example, there are some people who are vegans because it is a way – like it's a lifestyle and they are trying to truly eat healthy and so they focus on plants and vegetables or like vegetables and other types of food like that. Right. Then there are the vegans who just don't want to eat meat. But they can still eat Oreos and whatever right, else. Right. I mean, so it's not really necessarily health practice. Yeah, you're right. Um, Oreos are vegan, technically. And I, I could actually be wrong on this. I think Cheez-Its are, too, which is kind of ironic. 
That is ironic. I would have to actually double check that one. Yeah, cheese its Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of those type of foods that are considered vegan. Which makes you wonder, like, is it even, like, can they even call it a cheese it if it's not even made from a dairy product? Yeah. And, like, cheese is dairy, you know. Well, and I see it a lot, too. Um, I'm in a dye-free community Ooh. of people trying to eliminate dyes from their, specifically kids' food. That's kind of what the group focuses on. And there are the people who are doing it. I mean, they're all doing it to be healthy to an extent. But there are the people who truly are like, hey, I'm going to be dye-free, which means if I stop eating processed food, you're you're getting rid of dyes, right? Like, there are no dyes in a potato. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, Or if I'm eating carrots. Well, even meat, like, to a degree, um, they, they, man, what is it called? Phosphates? They can put things in meat to look a certain way. To make it look red. Yeah. Um, however, then there are the people who will say, well, Oreos are dye-free. So I'm just, a lim- I'm, instead of having my kids eat Skittles, they're eating Oreos. And now, I mean, I'm not blaming them because you are still getting rid of the dyes. And if that is your one goal, that's still good. Like, you are still having a goal and you're achieving it. And it is eliminating something bad from your kid's diet. Right. But there are plenty of them that just simply swap out arguably bad food for bad food. Right, right. And so you, it's just kind of interesting, like, all the different levels of things. It's that not necessarily switching something bad for something good and nutritious. It's almost like something bad for something less bad. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's just a, a scale of bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so for the last section here, this is the part where I'm saying clean versus unclean. So... Um, I do think that with toxicity, there is an element of it that like, okay, let's say I'm going to a hazmat call, right? And it's a tanker is flipped over and it's spilling milk. Like, it's just milk. That's not toxic. It's not bad, right? It could be. I don't know. It's like the milk in your jug, right? One gallon of milk is different than a thousand gallons of milk, right? Anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent, but okay, because you got to be careful following that. So you got to be careful necessarily. It's clean versus unclean. Is it like Schrodinger's milk. Well, I'm just saying it's still. You just it's, don't know if it's in the tank. It's still. You a, don't know if it's I'm clean saying or it's still a substance, right? <laughs> it's still like you have the tendency to like roll up on that and say, okay, well that's not toxic, but it's like well. It's not toxic in my glass at home in, in a little increment, but if it's in a thousand gallons, it might take on some sort of different like for instance, if I washed it out into a field, right? And then that that large amount of milk curdles or spoils, right? It could be toxic then. Maybe. I mean, is that a thing? I think so. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't actually know. So that's why I'm trying to see. I kind of think so. I might have, I'll have to research that after this. Okay. But like, I, and you could, I mean, I could maybe believe that like, Hey, if you said I'm going to take a thousand pounds of milk and put it in my garden, it's going to well, kill like, the plants. Well, like for instance, but I'm, I'm also curious if that is true. For instance, not. one, uh, there was this guy that they responded to this large, I believe it was a tire fire, um, in Texas actually. And they just started putting copious amounts of water on it, trying to put this thing out. And they couldn't put it out. So it's like more water, more water, more water. And they're just pouring water on this fire for days. Well, all of the runoff from that tire fire went into a stream. And then that stream went down and got into drinking water, right? And so people got cancer from this act, right? When you think, no, we got to put the fire out, but it's like, maybe you got to get bulldozers in there and bury it instead of, you got to think about the consequences of those. Yeah. Of your, of your interaction with it. Uh, anyway, so clean versus unclean, uh, one of the drivers of ideologies and cultures throughout the ages, I believe. So the, uh, you know, the, the term clean versus unclean is almost straight lifted out of uh, Jewish culture. And, you know, the old law, they had very distinct clean and unclean rules. Like they um, had everything defined. There was that books written about what is clean, what was unclean, when you could eat it, when you couldn't eat it, how you had to prepare it, 
all these different things. And you could see how an aspect of that is just sheer uh, honoring the God, you know, that that they all worship. You could also easily see, dude, these are people living, you know, in what we would define as third world. And if you eat something bad, it could kill you, right? If you got food poisoning in, you know, 2000 or a zero AD, it could probably kill you. You mm -hmm. know, you had to be very careful with what you ate. So it makes sense that they had a uh, pretty strict rules. You know, I was thinking of like Japan, uh, Bushido J Japanese culture where you wear those little block shoes and then you kick them off at the door. And so you're only walking inside. Yeah. And now if you think about it, animals, you're living on a farm, you're walking through possibly dirt roads and, and everything you might want to be very careful about what's on your feet and what you're tracking through your house, you know? Um, it's also, I feel like, not that you're not saying this, I just feel like it's a respect thing as well that Eastern cultures do really well of respecting what they have, which I think can still be related to toxicity in a way. Yes. Whereas a lot of times in American culture, we don't respect things. So who cares if it's dirty or who right. cares what happens? We'll just throw it, it out and get a new one. Yeah. Whereas it's like, well, but if I truly take care of this, it can last me for years and years. Right. It's like how you, how you look at contamination yeah. and, and how you define clean and unclean. And so I thought a portion of it was probably identifying danger, you know, um, and how do we define clean? So this is kind of to wrap it off because, so I've, I've, uh, grown up in fire stations. I've been in fire stations for like 15 years. And one of the things that's always bothered me is, well, I say always, it didn't really bother me until you like made me aware of it. But, you know, uh, at the end of every meal, you take time and you clean the kitchen to make sure one, it's clean and reset. And that way, if anybody comes in there and they make a mess, they're responsible to clean that mess. But we're going to clean our collective lunches mess, right? Well, um, at some point in every cleanup session, somebody reaches underneath the counter and grabs whatever cleaning solution is in whatever bottle and starts to spray it all over the kitchen, right? And I was... Uh, I would say guilty of this for a lot of years. You, yeah. Where I would have the 409. Yes. And I would like. I could like walk in the kitchen and I was like, the smell just hits you. Yeah. I would, I would spray everything, scrub everything <laughs> down and I would clean with four, clean, clean with 409. Cause that's what you did. You cleaned with 409. Uh, and you know, then you get to thinking about it and it's like, Hey, some guy walks in there and he just wants a peanut butter and honey sandwich. Probably me, because I eat a lot of peanut butter and honey sandwiches. He walks in there and he throws... You also don't grab a plate. <laughs> I do, typically now. Sometimes. But anyway, you grab your bread, you toss it out on the counter. It's a clean counter, right? We just cleaned it. You toss your bread out on the counter, you go grab your peanut butter, you grab your honey and everything, you make your peanut butter and honey sandwich. You know, you have your bread open on the counter, you get it, everything, you flip it up, and then you just eat it. Man, everything's clean. We're sanitized. But now I just ingested 409 into my body. Which because, is not meant to be ingested. Yeah, because I just I just exposed my food. to. Or let's say I'm leaning on the countertop with my hands, and I'm <coughs> switching my hands, and I'm leaning on the countertop, and then I take my hands. What do I have on my hands? You know, how do you define clean and how do you define unclean? And, and then what am I, where am I putting it? You know, I'm putting it all over the place. And so like you showed me that just wipe it down with soap and water and hey, we're good to go. And that's mostly water, you know? Well, and like there, you can use vinegar. You can you use can vinegar. Use, like there's mixed a whole... lemons with, you know, I mean, there's yeah, so yeah. many other natural ways, especially for the kitchen. Right. There's sort of like the toilet. I'm going to use a cleaner because I want that to be clean, like disinfected as Scrub much as possible. the poop off. Yes. But then, yeah, the kitchen, it's like, well, if this is the countertop that I am putting food on or, you know, especially our island is a uh, butcher Chopping block. block. yeah. So like food actually does go on it many times or kids will just, you know, they'll go put a thing of pretzels out on it or whatever. Right. And it's like, well, okay, what are we putting on this? <laughs> so, you know, that's what I had, right, wiping down countertops with like a toxin, 
which is what we do. We do that. Like, and if anybody that's listening doesn't agree with that, just go get a cup and go underneath your counter and whatever cleaner that you typically use, just do like one spray in there, fill it up with water and drink it. Well, no, I mean, the no one's say not to do that. Yeah, right? no one's gonna do that. No one's gonna do that because you know, like I don't want anything close to my right. That stuff is nasty. I wouldn't ever drink it. But we're putting it onto a surface that we then consume things off of. So it's getting into your body. You know, you are ingesting it into a certain uh, degree. And so one of the other things that I thought was interesting about toxicity was like, you know, at Bell Helicopter. Uh, whenever I was getting my airplane rescue and firefighting certification, our, um, we toured Bell Helicopter. And one of the things you notice at Bell Helicopter super quick is it doesn't look like a ragtag factory oh, no. with just workers going at it, right? Just It is like lines on the ground. Everything is squeaky clean. Everything is mopped and swept. And every tool has an outline of where that tool is supposed to be on the wall. And I think even in a lot of places, you have to tag tools out. So if I want to tag, if I want a tool, I have to walk to a counter, say, can I have this tool? They give me a tag. I take the tool. I use the tool. I bring it back. I get, you know, like they, they keep a count of every, because it's called a uh, FOD. I actually had to text your dad and ask him because it didn't seem right to me. That didn't sound like that was what was popping in my head, but it's a foreign object debris. And so everybody's on the lookout. If I dropped a pin on the ground, that's FOD. Where did that pin come from? How long has it been there? Did one drop into a motor or into an Yeah, engine? you have to be incredibly careful about what's going on. Like, they right. have to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and all of their rules are because something happened. It's because of safety. Yeah. Yeah, it's because something concern. failed or some cog in the, you know, in the process was, like, screwed up. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that because there, you know, you're in a sh- machine shop, tools in a lot of in in a consideration are toxic, right? Because they can be out of place and literally kill people. Yes. You don't like that one? I don't dislike it because I get what you're saying, so it obviously works. It's metaphorical. You're yeah, you're communicating the right idea. I'm just still curious and this is something I'd actually have to go look up. Is there another word for it? Right? Or is that truly the word that we should be using? Is that everything out of place is just toxic? No, 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 no. Not, and not, I'm not saying that's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, okay. But it, a tool misplaced in a manufacturing factory, for example, can be harmful. Right. Does that mean it's toxic? Mm. Or is there a difference between this misplaced object is harmful or could be harmful, has a potential to be harmful versus... This is toxic. No, I can vibe with that. I can vibe with that. And I don't know. I'm just questioning I'm it. I'm trying to think now that now that you say that, I feel like I should have that word. I should be And able I to understand it, it as metaphor, but I'm wondering for an actual use, is it true to say that just because something is in the wrong spot, it is actually toxic? Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Or I guess I'm also wondering if just because something has the potential to be toxic, do we still call it toxic? Well, it's not toxic until, right? Like yeah. water is not toxic until you drink too much or you drown, right? So it's not like a toxin. It well, and then maybe to- I am pick, or maybe I am overthinking the metaphor, but I'm just questioning the limits of the word. Okay. Is there a difference then to say this misplaced wrench? is now a hazard or is now dangerous versus toxic. Mm. Or do you see dangerous and toxic as mutually? So I would actually, I would actually go back to at the beginning, whenever I was defining it, you have a hot zone, a warm zone and a cold zone. Um, to me, that's what makes something toxic, right? If, if it's, if everything's in the right zone, it's not necessarily considered toxic. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think you could argue that, like, let's say you went into a 
factory, for example, and everything was misplaced. No one knew where things were. That's a toxic environment. That is a toxic environment. But are those objects then considered toxic? Toxins? Those I feel like that's pushing the boundaries. Yeah, that is. There. I mean, we're, we're taking it to the limit. Well, and that's I, – I think it is important to question it because we do use it so freely nowadays. This is toxic. This lighting is toxic. This relationship is toxic. Right. My mom is toxic. And it's just like everything is toxic that I am curious if sometimes we use it in place of other things and we're not being very specific. Mm. Well, I mean, I do feel like we're probably on the edge of ambiguity – at every turn well, now. And it's something I think I'm more aware of now because of the freshmen I work with. One thing I really try to teach them is to be specific. We say a lot of words without meaning anything many times. Right. And I'm not saying, like, you specific. I'm just saying, like, what I see in cultures that we take, like, we take a word and then we just apply it to whatever situation and then it loses its specificity. Mm. And so I do see people nowadays where it's like, well, this is toxic, this is toxic, this is toxic. And I almost wonder if they say that because they don't have another way to actually define it. Well, and we didn't even talk, you know, we haven't even talked necessarily about one of the most prominent uses. I think we, we'll probably wrap it up on this on this one. We'll just end on this discussion. But uh, one of the terms that popped into my head pretty quickly was toxic masculinity right well, there, yeah that's yes yes and I'll especially with our like barbie episode having come out like you know not too long ago um i do feel like toxic masculinity specifically is something that pops up a lot and you know i go back and forth one of the things i was wanting to look up dang i just remembered uh now was i was wanting to look up uh james James Cameron, you know the con the oh yes. Look that up real quick, just well, to see what the just to see what his term is that he uses on it. But it's interesting because there is an aspect of so if you say toxic masculinity, um, to me one of the things that's interesting is would be de to define the thresholds, right? Let's define define the the zones. So there is the hot zone, right, of to toxic masculinity where you have, like, a guy beating a woman, right? Full aggro, uh, physically assaulting somebody, right? Like, there are times when going aggro, full aggro, is a good thing, you know? But then there's other situations where that is a toxic thing. So that's why, like, for instance, guys in a jujitsu class or girls in a jujitsu class for that matter, right? Going, you know, getting serious about it and really trying hard in the right environment. That's not a bad thing, but in the wrong environment, you got something. No, not, not yet. yet. Um, in the wrong environment, that can be a bad thing, right? You can then have like a toxic environment. And so I think it's funny because, the within the the concept the thing that always gets lost is just masculinity right is there like masculinity can exist and does exist in a degree that is not toxic it can exist and not be toxic and it can also exist and be toxic i think it's again one of those things that's a level well see and so did you find that on james cameron no the only thing that pulled up was i guess james cameron made a comment about testosterone being a toxin Oh, okay. And so what's interesting about that, one of the things I wanted to And just, I didn't want to dive into the whole article, so I didn't. One of the things I wanted to just mention about that is, like, James Cameron has gojones the size of beach balls, probably, right? Uh, we watched one of his documentaries where he literally got into this, like, three-foot ball of glass and lowered himself to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Something glass was it well i mean a plexiglass some sort of a polymer probably but i mean it's just a little ball yeah, it was tiny and he went down into down to the bottom trench. of the down to the bottom of the ocean he's one of three people who, who has ever and done that. i'm trying to remember like the descent took like eight hours i don't know it was hours i don't remember exactly how long. I, it was a long time like it took hours to get down there he spent like an hour kind of scooting around the bottom and then it took him hours to get back to the surface. And in that time period, he's in this little ball. And there's this part in it where he has to flip the switch and it drops the weights. 
and that's how he basically and, creates yeah. a, it creates a buoyancy and he floats up to the surface. Well, if he flips that switch and those weights don't drop, he's dead. There's no way for him to get up. And they and, cannot save him. And so I thought it was interesting because he's like in a lot of ways, especially the old school definition. Like I think if you went to like the boomers and said, hey, how do you define, you know, masculinity? They'd say like Neil Armstrong landing on the moon or maybe um, go back to the trenches of World War One. you know, going over the top, right? These really bold, you know, but – you look at if you went to like Neil Armstrong, I think the same thing as if you went with James Cameron. You would ask him and say, "Hey, what's the most dangerous thing? Like, what's going to get you killed?" And it would be masculinity, like toxic masculinity. Like you, it's not. We're not going to pound this thing home, right? We need to be methodical. Well, it's ego. Ego, right? Ego. That we, James Cameron, he does talk about, which I think is what you're discussing, is when he says like, there cannot be any ego in this process. Everyone has to check and double check and triple check because my life is is on the line. But there can be no ego at the door. But there is a certain amount which I would define as masculine to what he's doing, right? Exploring the depths of the ocean, you have there is a portion of it where you it's like I I've been talking to Emmett about this. We've been trying to work this out. There are times where you have to be scared. You're gonna be scared. And you have to do that thing anyway. Yeah. Right? And now, now, granted, I'm not saying that that does not exist in the feminine form as well. I'm not saying that. Because I do think that there is an aspect of, you know, I, I especially think of like, um, you know, the mom in Grapes of Wrath, right? That yeah. woman was, you know, she was iron fortitude, you know, holding everything together. But I do think that there is a point like, now, maybe I guess we can discuss it, you know. I just feel like this is now veering off into the topic of masculine versus feminine, and I was not prepared for that. Like, I'm not oh, yeah, prepared. Yeah. Well, no, and I'm not meaning that. I'm just saying I'm just saying that there is, there is masculine, right? Like, James Cameron has got to be masculine. Well, it's just that masculinity is fine. Well, Society, well, at least no one should be, or, I mean, I, I guess maybe some people are, but no one should be telling people not to be masculine. It's not that masculinity is the problem. I think people are trying to say toxic masculinity is the problem. Right. However, it's not specific enough for people to actually always understand what that is. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying is, is like you have to be masculine. Like we like that in society. We like that energy, right, of I'm going to jump my dirt bike 60 feet or I'm going to do something that is – and I mean you've said it and we've now observed it with our kids – Boys are bolder and dumber than girls. I mean, they're definitely different. There's you no know? doubt you can put kids in a room and you can tell the boys and tell the girls most of the time. They're right. obviously outliers. I'm just saying, like, if you turn around, like, let's say we just leave the children in a room, right? Equal number of boys, equal number of girls. When we come back, the likelihood that the girls are going to be jumping off the highest object in the, the room. The boys will be hurt and everything's a weapon and they're beating each other. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But so to me. I cannot give anything to Emmett or Callahan without it being a weapon. Instantly. Instantly. Almost instantly. Right. And, and to me, that's like the masculine. Right. And to a degree, that is fine. Right. That to a degree, that is fine. Yeah. But there is a point where it crosses over into being like a toxic thing to do, right? Now you are inflicting pain on people. You're being Well, you have to then teach them how to handle it. Right. Right. I mean, and that's something that... Well, and I think that this is my problem. This is my problem. Or my proclamation, what I would propose, right? Is that our society, right? If, if I heard the term toxic masculinity... And I knew they weren't talking about me, right? Like you can be masculine without it being toxic masculinity, right? I think a yeah. lot – the reason that that term was so blew up and had so many people in a tizzy, I think of like Ben Shapiro was probably – Because they just hear that someone thinks masculinity is bad and they get offended without truly under trying to understand what that right. original and, person is saying. But see, that's what I'm saying. It's the word toxicity right that puts that toxicity if you put that uh you know the metaphor that we set forth earlier onto it 
then you shouldn't be angry with the concept of toxic masculinity because you understand if you if it says toxic that means that there is a threshold at which it is not dangerous right does that make sense i get what you're saying i don't think that always holds true there are certain things that are just toxic always right right the there threshold. are other There's things a threshold right who that are toxic once it reaches a certain point right yeah. What would your uh, definition of something that's like always toxic? Well, like quite literally a poison. I mean, I guess I understand what you're saying. I mean, to humans, though, there are certain things that are just always toxic. Right. I, I mean, I guess you could still argue that maybe there are still like you can take certain things and make medicine out of it or whatnot. Like, I do understand that. Well, I don't know. Like to me, one of the things that always blows my mind is like radiation, right? So we treat cancer with radiation. And so you do want it to be toxic. Well, yeah. Because the whole point is it's got to kill the cancer, right? Yeah. Um, So you're like playing with this toxicity level, you know? And so it's not necessarily that it's just causing harm because it might be causing good, you know? So I think that there's an element of toxicity whenever you like – no matter what, if you are getting radiation, it is a toxic thing. You're only doing you that because you don't it, have other options. But so just because you can use it doesn't mean that it takes away the toxicity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, it's just kind of a little I just wanted to break down the concept of toxicity for a little bit and just play with the idea. Because really, you know, I had in my notes, I didn't put it in these notes, but is the uh I, I called it the sugar prison. And I think that that's what we're putting – we were put into as children, and I think the next generation is being put into it as children where we are like inundating our children with this highly addictive substance that is incredibly difficult to quit, you know? And we're just saying like, look, every holiday, eat as much candy as you want. You well, know? I think that's what we could maybe do for our next episode is go into culture's relationship with – the idea of toxic. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I, was, I thought you were in. Well, I just think there's many outlets for it or avenues for it. But I think that's one of them that like culture can look at ideology and say that is toxic. We don't. And which I mean, I'm not disagreeing, but like <clears throat> we think this we think, um, you know, extreme political views are toxic. And I'm not disagreeing. I'm not. I'm just saying this is something that society says a lot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but sugar's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like we're picking and choosing which toxi- toxins we're, ex- we're okay with. <clears throat> and, like, that could be applied with drugs. Well, yeah, because I, I think a lot of times... It's, Reddit's kind of a funny environment because if you go on Reddit for any kind of advice, the first thing is always cut out all the people in your life. Divorce your spouse. Get them out of your life. They're toxic. And it's like, okay, so I get divorced. I cut off the relationship with my parents, and I cut the kids out of my will. But, I mean, sugar's fine. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting what we want to allow in our culture and what we don't want to allow. Or what we make excuses for. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times that's one of the biggest hampers, I think, to, like, individuals growing in our society is that there is such this um, – but it's good for you. Well, like, treat yourself kind of like idea, you know? And that's something else that, again, I don't know if we've got time to explore right now, but maybe for a future episode. I don't know if the goal is to actually get rid of everything that's toxic. Mm. There are certain toxics, toxins that are, again, truly killing us and are bad. There are others that I wonder if there's just always a level of toxins in our culture, and we just need to learn how to navigate Dang, it. we didn't even talk about, like, bugs. Yeah? You know, like, there are bugs that'll bite you, and you have a toxic interaction with them, yeah. you know? Because I just think... Or no, I guess toxic would be if you ate it. Poisonous? Um, It's poisonous if you eat it. It is venomous if it if bites, it bites you. you. But, nice. but yeah, there's just, um, let's see, where was I going with it? Oh yeah. It's just like, I can, I can look at how society applies the word toxic now, but then I also feel like, well, if you retroactively applied the word toxic to things throughout history, 
everything has always been toxic. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, well, war is toxic. And yeah, it is, obviously. Or like you could look at relationships. Like, well, parents were toxic to their children. Well, teachers were toxic to the students. Until you get back to uh, hunter-gatherer tribes. And I, I haven't studied it enough. But you can even look at food where it's like, yes, a good healthy diet is what we all should strive for. But then you also look at people throughout history. There are many people who couldn't afford still the good food and just ate bread for every meal. Do you know what I mean? Because it was cheap to make. Right. And it's like, well, okay, well. Sometimes I wonder if our striving for a completely toxic-free environment is pointless. Or not pointless, but well, I think, um, fruitless. I think to me, to me, existing in the warm zone... <clears throat> You can exist in the warm and the cold zone without ever going into the hot zone. The hot zone is where it's gonna, you're going to die. Yeah, because there know? are truly things that, hey, like, for example, if someone is beating you, that is a toxic relationship. Get out of it. Right. That is bad. I would never, ever stand for that. If there is someone who's just not nice to you and you don't love being around them, should you banish them from your life completely? I don't know. I mean, some people you do just have to learn how to deal with. Does that mean you need to go quit your job immediately? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, some of those are for personal decisions. Right. But sometimes I think we're very quick to say, well, something's toxic, cut it out. Right. And we all have to learn how to live with some level some of toxicity, degree of toxicity. Well, in our life. And I mean, you just I, can't cut it all out. I, I can't this, quit my job, get divorced, banish this, my kids. This and doesn't live alone. fit. This doesn't fit. This is more of like a tolerance. But, you know, I think back on like when, when we used to rock climb. And, you know, you could tell the people that came in and weren't acclimated to it because their skin would hurt really quickly. So, like, they might have muscles to keep going, but it's just like, man, my skin hurts. Like, I can't climb anymore because my finger, you know, the skin. And then you end up building up a callus. So, through exposure over time, you build up a resistance to it. Yeah. And then you can endure more, you know. And so, I kind of wonder if that, you know, hits – you. Know, to a degree, part of getting older and growing up and maturing is that you realize that every little thing doesn't affect you and most stuff doesn't have anything to do with you. So if somebody hurts your feelings or if somebody is rude to you or somebody is demeaning to you, like now especially, like especially if I'm at you know work or something like that and somebody's like yelling at me, it's like, doesn't even affect me, you know, because I can separate. It's like whenever I'm at work, I might get yelled at. And if they're yelling at me, typically they're not yelling at me. They're kind of yelling at the institution of it or they're mad at the institution of it or whatever. Um, let's see. What was, I, where was I going with that? I just uh, I'll I'll carry on for you. Okay. Just because I do feel like often we are seeking a happy lifestyle, which is good. I'm not opposed to that by any means. But sometimes I feel like we expect happiness all of the time. Or we expect happiness to be the absence of anything bothering you. And so anything that is encroaching on your happiness is toxic. And that's where I feel like it can get... (laughs) The idea of toxic whatever can be toxic. Because... Mm. We're humans, right? Like, so any relationship, I think, at some point will be tested or people will be toxic because that's being human. Right. Um, Work is always going to be work. So there are always going to be – I mean, you have to show up to get paid to eat. There's always going to be a a level of toxicity there. Right. Um, I mean, you could name it with anything that there is always going to be some aspect of it that's not great. Because that's just life. And that doesn't mean that that's bad or that makes you unhappy. You just, again, have to learn how to tolerate some of this stuff. So I just wonder if our labeling of everything being toxic is in itself toxic. Well, and I think through the understanding of the word toxic, that's what I was bringing up with toxic masculinity. You've got to understand that it's it's a proximity. It's a concentration Issue, well, and right? everybody's going to have different levels, different thresholds for different things. And so just because, like, for instance, you're saying your parent, a relationship with your parent, just because it's toxic 
doesn't mean that you can't have the right distance to them. Yeah, maybe you, you know? don't need to see them every day. Right. But you maybe don't, you don't have to cut to, them out completely. Right. Maybe you don't talk to them every day. Maybe you don't see them every week. But hey, maybe once a month. Yeah, you got to find what works for you. And maybe it's that you don't go over to their house. Maybe you'll meet out for lunch, right? So that you can like limit your time with them or something. Yeah. And so it is, it's uh, understanding that um, the only defense against toxicity is insulation. Yeah. And that's kind of what I started off the episode. I know. I see what you did there. Yeah. Thanks. But anyway, so that's kind of the concept is that, you know, identify, I guess the takeaway, the key takeaway would be identify the things that in your life are currently at a toxic level and maybe experiment with a little bit of insulation in between. That doesn't necessarily mean complete cutting it out of your life, but maybe... Maybe you uh, you just change your relationship with it, change your distance to it, and then see if see if then that there's a, a way of, of changing the concentration of it or changing, you know. That's one of the things with like with hazmat is there was a, this one guy was talking. So there was flame. Let's say that there's flames impinging on this on this container, right? And it's venting off. And you have that option of going over and closing that vent, right? That could be the exact wrong thing to do because it's venting for a reason, right? If you close it off, now it's going to explode. So you've got it. Sometimes it looks bad, but it's not that bad. Anyway, thank you all for watching. Uh, Hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. And uh, until next time, peace. Goodbye.